Man, uh, good morning. Um, like I said, if you have your Bible, you can flip open to Philippians 2. Um, this week we're going to start a new series, and uh, I was praying because there's like about 15 things that I want to talk about, and you know, by the grace of God, maybe we'll get to all those things, but um, as I was praying, God, where would you have us to be? This is where he was leading, and we're going to start a new series today called More Than Me, and um, really it's just a series about service in the church, how, how the church should serve, that it's about more than me, and I'm not here to hide anything today or any agenda today. We believe in this place that if you attend here regularly, that you should serve here regularly. Like, that's that's a thing that we believe, and and, and I just want to say that. Like, if you're in this place week after week, there's a place that you need to plug in. Like, to be part of a church, you have to actually be part of a church. It's not just like a thing where we show up and we do the thing and then we go home. It's a thing where we get involved in the ministry and the work of God, and that's something he has planned for all his people. So I just want to say that out loud so that we're not sitting here at the end thinking he's pointing fingers at me. I'm pointing fingers at all of us. Uh, you know, I've heard people get up and they're like, oh, the preacher talked about this today, talked about this today. He's talking about me. No, I'm talking about us today, me and you. Um, but the reality of it is it doesn't matter what we believe in this place if we can't find it in this word. It doesn't matter, right, if we think everybody should serve if, if God doesn't care about such things. But what we're going to talk about the next few weeks is the fact that God really does care about these things, that an expectation for people that are born-again believers in Christ is that we work together to build the kingdom of God. And you might be thinking today, like, what can I do uh, as, as just me, little old me, right? Like, what can I do to help build the kingdom of God? And, and the reality of it for all of us today is very little. Now, I can't do much. You can't do much. Like, on your own, you're on an island, you're, you're not going to do much, right? God in you can do a whole lot. You're not going to do much. But the amazing thing is that the church was never meant to be one person or one thing or, or, or about one man or woman. The church is a group of people that God has knit together and alone. We can't really do anything, but together we can be a force for good and the gospel and the glory of God in this world. And that's what God has for us, that we would be a people that change people around us, that we would be a people that don't just come and sit in a building, but we'd be a people that, that stretch outside of this building, and together we work to see the glory of God be made known among the nations. And we can all be a part of that. Actually, God intends for us all to be a part of that, and that's what we're going to talk about the next few weeks, and we're going to do that this morning in Philippians 2. I love the book of Philippians. It's my favorite verse in the Bible, or one of them. It is in Philippians, something I, I try to live by. I'm not very good at it, but I think it's 127. It says just this one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. And what he's talking about is this message that he talks about several times through Philippians is that our belief actually meets with our actions. And that amazing thought today that it's more than just I believe Jesus is the Son of God and I believe that he died and I believe he rose again and I believe I'm going to heaven. But if I believe all those things and those things are really true, it should change everything about me and everything in me. That, that my belief actually should affect my life. And that's, that's what this book talks so much about. Philippians is written by a man named Paul to the church at Philippi, maybe Never heard of Paul, but he wrote like a bunch of the letters in the last half of the New Testament. He wrote all these church letters, and these church letters are written to, amazingly enough, church people. Isn't that cool? The Bible is 
written to God's people, not like all those people. So today, like if, if you're in this room, I just want you to know, like after you get the salvation thing, it's not time to shut your brain off and go to sleep and sit in a chair. Like God's trying to transform us. And he does that primarily through his word. And, and Paul writes these letters to these churches. And what they deal with is how to live out this new faith, how to, how to connect belief with life. See, it's God's will for us that we don't only believe these things, but we live out these things. So people like us, this letter was written to people like us. It is written to us. People that would say we're church words saved, that we're believers. And, and, and today what, what Paul's doing is he's saying to us, this is how you live out this faith. And we're going to talk about chapter 2 primarily today. And he, and he starts off chapter 2 with these series of if-then statements. And 2, he says, if-then there is any encouragement in Christ. What we're about to see is he moves through several statements and he's saying, if there, if Christ is these things and he's going to get to the point of, then it should do this in our life. And what he's saying first is if there's any encouragement in Christ, and this word encouragement actually is a word that means hope. Now, Paul here is not debating with the church if, if Christ actually brings us hope. Paul knows, right? Like, Christ is our only hope. We just sang about that. Like it's throughout the word. Like if it wasn't for Jesus, we would be kind of washed up today. There wouldn't be much going on for us today. And he says to the church, like, hey, you know, you, you say you believe this. This is what he's saying. If there's actually any hope in Jesus, if there's any hope of eternity, any hope of salvation, if, if you really believe these things, if you really believe there's any hope in Christ, and he goes on, any, any consolation of love, the word consolation is a word that means like comfort. If there's any comfort in the love of God and the love of Christ, if you really believe that, if that, if it's a true statement, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, fellowship is a word that means community. If there's any community with the Spirit, if the Spirit, really Holy Spirit, here's what he's talking about, dwells in us. If there's really any, any Spirit of God living in you, if there's anything to that, if you really believe that, if that's really happened to you. If there's any affection, a word meaning love, if there's any actual love of Christ, if God actually loves you, if, if you believe that and you've experienced that, and any mercy, mercy is a word just meaning forgiveness, some, but greater than that, like forgiveness to someone it was in your power to punish. He says if there's really any mercy in Christ, if, if that's a real thing today, if you really believe you've been forgiven, that, that, that you are a sinner and you've messed up and God should have killed you and he should have stomped you out, but he didn't. If, you, if there's anything to all that, then this should happen, is what he's about to say. What he's saying here is, if there's really anything to your belief today, if there's really any actual hope in Jesus, if you, if you believe that there's hope for eternity in heaven in Jesus, if you believe that there's anything to the love of God, if you, if you really believe the Spirit of God lives in you, if there's anything to your beliefs, then these things also must be true, is what he's about to say. Now, that's powerful today. We haven't even got there, but I just, I just want to stop there for a moment and think about this. Because I think for all of us in this room today that have showed up, that got up, right? Like we got an extra hour, but still, like we, we could sleep, right? If, if there's anything to any of this, and I would assume that most of us believe that because we're here today. What Paul is saying is it should affect something. 
If, if we've really been, like church word today, saved, if we really believe that there's this creator God who loves us and came to die for us because we had separated ourselves through our sin from God and he made a way that we could come to, to be in a relationship with God, if there's really anything to that, if there's really any relationship in us to God, then it should affect something. That's the whole argument he's about to make. And really what's crazy about that is I think probably for most of us we know that, but most of us ignore that. I grew up in church, like I've been there. If we did the poll today, like how many of us grew up in church, most of us would raise our hand, we've been there. How many grew up around church people, all of us would raise our hand. But really in the reality of it, wouldn't we all say today, we know a whole lot more church people that their belief doesn't affect their life than church people that their belief does affect their life. See, this belief affecting our life, what he's not about to say is, if there's really anything to this, we should get up on Sunday. It's not about to be the next verse. That's not belief intersecting with life. Now, you will not be successful as a believer on your own. That's why God built the church as a community, right? But that's more of a benefit to us. But the reality today is most of us live in the community of the church, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if somebody saw us, would they believe that there's anything to our belief? And he looks at these people, right? Like this is years and years ago church who have the same struggles and the same issues and the same problems as today's church, if you've read any of these letters. People just like us who say, I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe that I'm saved. I believe when I leave this place, I'm going to go be with him. I believe that he loves me. I believe he's forgiven me. People just like us that 2,000 years ago still did not do a very good job of intersecting belief with life. And this is who he's writing to, these people and then today, us. Now, if we're honest today, we know a lot of church people that their belief doesn't intersect with our life. And if we're really honest today, we are a lot of church people that our belief doesn't really intersect with our life. So can we just come to today before anything else? This is for us. This is a word for me from God and a word for you from God. And what Paul is saying as the mouthpiece of God today is if we really believe this, it will really affect us. So he writes this, he says, if there's really anything to it, if you really believe there's any hope, if there's any comfort in the love of God, if there's any spirit of God living in you, if there's any love from God, any mercy from God, and then he says, fulfill my joy. Now, who cares about Paul's joy? Let's just be honest. Paul's dead. He doesn't care what I'm doing right now. He's in heaven. He's not watching me. He's staring at God and he's happy doing that. He doesn't care about what I'm doing. And if I today am going to live and let this affect my life, it's not going to be for Paul. And the reality today is this church at Philippi, if they're going to live and let this affect their life, it's not going to be for Paul. And that's not even what Paul's saying. See, the reality of it is, and you get this if you're invested in the church in any way, you want to see people know God and follow God and love God. You want to see God glorified in people's life. I want to see it in my life. I want to see it in your life. I want to see people that are in love with God. 
And all he's doing here is saying, man, I care about you guys. I care about you guys. I, I care. I, uh, I know that you believe that you love Jesus and, and I care about you. This message that we're about to hear is not Paul coming at the Philippians today with a baseball bat saying, you guys suck and you do it all wrong. And that's not what's happening here. I'm pointing at me just as much as you. And, and Paul's just reminding him here, man, this is going to hurt for us today. But it's only because I care. So he says, hey, fulfill my joy by, here's the thing, thinking the same way. Now, he's not saying thinking the same way as me. He's talking about unity in the church. You know that Jesus actually talks about unity in the church? No? Well, he does. Right? Like when he's in the garden, he's about to go to the cross and he's praying. We have this picture of the prayer of Jesus. And what does he pray for in the garden? God, let him be one just as you and I are one. This is what he's talking about here. Think the same way. Do you know that God cares about unity among his people? God wants his people to be united, not just in like, hey, we all come in here and we like gray carpet and we like gray walls and we like gray exterior walls. And we would really paint over all the white parts of the room, too, but then people wouldn't be able to find the doors. Like he doesn't care about that. What he's talking about here is, is unity in the church, that we should be united as a church. That's not the only time, by the way, that Jesus ever talks about that. It's not just some passing thought as he's taken off about to go to the cross and then go to heaven. Like Jesus really cares about unity. And a descriptor of the church should be, man, those people are united. Now, why would he write this to the church at Philippi like 2,000-ish years ago if it wasn't already a problem like 2,000-ish years ago? But what is he saying? If there's anything to this Jesus thing, if you are really believers, it has to affect your life in the church. You have to be united. Here's what I know. God answers Jesus' prayers every time we see it, right? And what I believe today is the church is united. You're like, well, I've been in church where they fight over the carpet and they fight over the chairs and they fight over whether they like the air conditioning on or off. And they fight over what kind of donuts they eat in the morning or if they're going to have donuts in the morning and they're upset because blah, 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 blah. What I'm saying is I believe the church is united. The people that really believe it aren't worried about what kind of donuts we eat in the morning. The people that really believe it, they don't care what kind of songs you sing. The people that really believe it, they don't care what version of this thing you're reading out of. As long as it's the Bible, it's God's word. The people that really believe it don't care about the carpet. They don't care about the cups. See, they are focused on something over the color of the carpet and the color of the wall. See, when we get the wrong focus, we get ununited. But, but the reality of it today is people that they're really believe it are affected by that belief. And I've been to churches where there's been crazy stuff go on, haven't you? Unbiblical things go on, haven't you? What does Jesus say? I mean, there's wheat and tares. Still true in the church. There's a lot of people that their belief doesn't affect their life because their belief is a very shallow belief. 
And he says here, hey, if there's anything to this, you should be an instrument of unity in the church. If you're working against unity in the church, if you're the fire starter in the church, what you need to do and what I need to do is check and see if I really believe what I'm saying. And that's what he's writing to these people. He says, think the same way, have unity, having the same love. You should love each other. I want to go to a loving church, don't you? People love each other and they care about each other and they want to be around each other and they stay after and talk for 22 hours and you're like, I just need to go to the McDonald's. Can you leave? Like, I want to go to that kind of church where people love each other because love should be a mark of the church. He's saying if there's anything to this belief, then you guys should love each other. Not that like, hey, love you. I don't know anything about you. Don't know your name. Don't know your favorite color. Don't know what you like to eat. Never been around you except for when we pass on Sunday morning for about three seconds. But yeah, I love you. That's a shallow love. It's not real love. Um, and he says, if there's anything to this belief, then God's people should love each other. By the way, Jesus said that. Before he died, he says, hey, I just want you disciples to know they're going to know your mind by how you love each other. Not Paul's point of view, like Jesus' words. And I believe today that the church is loving. Because if there's anything to our belief, it affects our life. He says, having the same love, and he goes on, he says, sharing the same feelings or beliefs, that we could have a common set of beliefs. Focusing on one goal, the one goal he's talking about here is the mission that Jesus gives before he like ascends into heaven. He says, hey, go make disciples. That's important to God. May not be important to the church, but it's important to God. He like literally says that more than one time. I don't know if you know that. Like Matthew 28 is the one we know. We've heard that. We're like, oh yeah, Jesus is about making disciples for that one verse that one time. But no, Jesus is about making disciples so much that he left heaven to come down here to make disciples. And he's about his church making disciples. And that's not maybe like all of us maybe aren't like the public speakers that are going to get up or the singers or the whatever. But we all have a part to play. There's one goal. Somebody sent me a tweet the other day, and it was like, um, I think it was Kennedy. I, I don't, didn't save it. I didn't think I was going to share it. But like President Kennedy asked, the, asked a janitor like at NASA one day what he's doing. He was sweeping. And uh, he said, well, I'm putting a man on the moon. The part that I play is maybe less than the, than the, than the mission, but I, I play a part. And that's true today in the church. We're all playing a part in, in one goal, and the one goal is that God's glory be made known among the nations. That, that's the goal of the church, that we, we go and we make disciples of all people. And that's what he's saying. You should have one goal. See, we focus on the color of the carpet when we forget there's a goal. We focus on what kind of music we like when we forget there's a goal because what we do is we make it about us. What do I like? It's, the church has never been about you. The gospel is for you, but the church is about God. And he's saying, hey, you know, <laughs> we should have one goal here. He says, do nothing out of rivalry. It's competition. We don't, we don't serve or work out of competition. It's just what he's saying. There shouldn't be competition and comparison in the church. Comparison kills joy, by the way. Oh, I want to do that. 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 Well, then maybe, you know, you, you got the wrong thing going on because it's not really about I want to do anything. He says, don't do anything out of rivalry. If it's coming out of rivalry, just sit down. Don't, don't even do it. 
And then he says conceit. And, and like we know what conceit is, but I put it on, I've got the definition for conceit somewhere. Maybe possibly that screen in the back's not working, so I'm going to do this thing. Um, conceit is excessive pride in, in oneself. Don't do anything because you think you're so great, is what he's saying. Don't do anything because it puffs you up, is what he's saying. Don't do anything because it pats you on the back, is what he's saying. It's not about you. Consider, uh, he says, but humbly push others up, right? Consider others more important than yourself. That's what humility is, by the way. It's not beating yourself up. That's just pride masked as humility. It's, it's seeing others' needs before your needs. And he says, humbly consider others as more important than yourselves. Push others up. And everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also the interest of others. This is just a couple verses, and this is what he says. It's not all about you. And what's amazing about that is like, who wouldn't want to go to that church? Like that's, that's what we want in church, right? Like we want to go to a place where we feel loved and accepted. And we want to go to a place where like they're about something other than just like taking up money to pay the lot bill. We want to go to a place that, that, that is affecting something. We want to be part of something that, that like actually matters, right? Like that's, uh, I think most people's goal in life, you want to do something that, that at the end of the day, it's more than just like a superficial, I woke up today and, and did this thing today. We want to be part of a place where people think about other people and care about other people, right? Like, we all want to be part of that. We, want, we don't want to go. We all left a church for some reason, probably. If you've ever been to a church before, the reason you're not there now is because there was something that happened there that probably wasn't like this list. Somebody was puffing somebody up or somebody was there to be seen or somebody really was just going through the motions or, you know, like they got in this argument over the color of the chairs. I've, I've been to those. And it's dumb and we know it's dumb. And we left because we know it's dumb. And we all want to be part of something that's like this, right? Like this is really what we hope for when we think about the church is we just go somewhere where like it matters that Jesus is doing something that we can see it and we can, we can feel it and we can be part of it. And what he's saying here is like this is what the church should be like. If we really believe these things, if we really believe all this stuff about Jesus, and then it should change us and we should be a room filled with people that act more like this than that other thing. Our belief should affect our life and then as we get all those lives together, it should do something. Like that's the church he's talking to and he's saying you guys could be this. You guys could be this. That's like open invitation, not just to the church at Philippi, but like every church. You could be this. Every church, this church could be this. Every church could be this. If it were filled with people, that their belief intersected with their life. That's what he's saying. And I know like this statement has been said before in church because I've heard it. And I don't remember where I've heard it. But like if we would all just be the church we wanted to be part of, then then we would all just be this church, right? Instead of like sitting around thinking, oh, I'm not doing this because they didn't do this. Or that's not a friendly church. They didn't speak to me. Well, be friendly. You're part of the church, right? Like you, you got a mouth. 
You can wave if you don't. See, the reality of it is, for most of us, we would rather complain about what someone else is doing wrong than than look inward and say, maybe we, in some way, are part of the problem. I mean, that church, they don't do anything out in the community. Well, what have you organized? That church doesn't blip, 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 blip. Nobody serves there. Well, do you? See, the reality of it is today, for most of us, it's far easier to point fingers at problems than be part of a solution. Now, again, all of us have left a church for a reason. That's why we're here today. We've not been around since the beginning of time. Nobody was born here. Well, maybe like one, two. Um, not many. Been around a little while. And there are very legitimate reasons to leave churches. I've, I've done it. I've been to uh, a lot of churches. But sometimes, somewhere, we just got to put roots down. And we just got to say, you know what? I, I want to be part of something. I want to be part of something. And this is what he's saying to these people. Now, I don't think Philippi had 3,700 churches within three square feet. I don't, that wasn't a thing. And we do. But what he's saying here today is we could all be part of something if we would allow our belief to intersect with our life. And this is what it looks like. Now, see, that's hard, right? Isn't that hard? I get frustrated at you guys. Like, I mean that. I get frustrated, and you get frustrated at me. 100%. I know that. Because we're people, and frustrations are real. I'm going to shut it down right there. (laughs) Thought I was about to go through the list. And I did, too. Um, We all get frustrated. But, man... Probably what happens when we get frustrated is we start maybe puffing ourselves up a little bit. I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and they don't do anything. But what does he say? Push others up and think about them too. And then he gives us this blueprint for it because he knows like we're not very good at it. And he says this is how it works, people. If you want to be successful at these few verses, this is the doorway to this. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. You want to be the church that we just read about? Here's the doorway. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. You want to start pushing others up and you want to be part of something that matters and you, you want to not get burnt out and not get frustrated and not want to choke the guy next to you because he didn't show up last week and you show up every week and, you know, like that thing. Here's the way. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Now, there's two words in here that are important that we understand and one is attitude. I think we got that up here. 
Attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Listen to this radical idea, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. Your belief should affect your life. Your belief should intersect with how you live. But the second word is that word make. Now to make, we we know what make is, is to cause something to exist or to come about, to bring about. Now, what he's not saying is, I got frustrated, so I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray, God, just help me not want to kill Jimmy Joe. I don't want to hurt that guy today, but I want to hurt that guy today. And, you know, you got to help me have an attitude like you. But he says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. What he's saying here is that you have to cause something to come about in you. It looks a whole lot more like Jesus and a whole lot less like you. And that should not only affect this part of you, but all the parts of you. What he's saying here is be more like Jesus. You want to be this kind of church, be more like Jesus. You want to be part of this kind of church, be more like Jesus. Make your own, settle your way of thinking. I'm going to think like Jesus thinks, and it's going to affect my life. That's what he's saying. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. And then he says, here's, here's what it was. Here was Jesus' thinking. He existed in the form of God. Jesus was, is God. Like from heaven, chose to come to earth. It wasn't subjected on him. He, he lowered himself. He humbled himself. We're about to read that. But that baby all the way to the guy on the cross, all the way to today, had all the power and the personality of God jammed into that human flesh. This was the star breather stepped down from heaven to become the sin bearer. That is the Jesus that we read about. It says in Colossians that all things were made through him, by him, for him. It's echoed again in Romans that Jesus was the active voice of creation. John says that he's the word of God. Jesus existed before there was ever a thought of what existed, right? Like he's, he's always been. He wasn't created in Bethlehem and he made stuff. He made us. But in... He came, right, and he was still all those things, existing in the form of God, yet, listen to this, he did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. He was God in flesh. But he didn't use that to his own advantage. Jesus was a big deal. You may think you're a big deal. You're not Jesus. You may think you're important. You are not Jesus. You are not the star breather. You did not always exist. You were born and you may have gained some status and some importance. But here's the reality. The most important guy to ever walk on this planet came down and he didn't come to to be served. You know how easy it would have been for Jesus just to do a couple of amazing things. People bow down and worship him. He'd be like, man, this was awesome. I'm I'm just going to let him build a temple for me. I'm going to sit in it and I'm just going to receive worship all the time. But he made it about something other than himself. He, he is a big deal, and he was a big deal. But he, 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 he said as he didn't grasp that equality with God, he didn't use it for his own advantage. Instead, here's what he did. He emptied himself. Now, he emptied himself not of his power and his personality, but of himself, of his wants, his desires. It says he emptied himself, and then listen to this, by assuming the form of a slave, he came to be like a slave. To, to serve others. Not just the things he wanted to do, right? 
Slaves, you get to do like all the things. He came to be like a slave or like a servant. Taking on the likeness of men, that's humility in itself, isn't it? God who wraps himself in an approachable light, put on dirt. Took on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, it says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. And it goes on. It says this is the attitude of, of Jesus. You want to be that kind of church, you want to intersect belief with life, this is how you do it. You set out in your mind, you make the decision, I'm going to be more like Jesus. I'm going to live my life trying to be more like this guy. And here's how you do it. You quit thinking you're a big deal. You quit searching your needs and your desires and what you want to do. You quit making it about you. And you serve other people. That's what Jesus did. But then I love what he does. He, he adds the gospel in there, doesn't he? He says he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He, he connects that with the mission. See, the reality of it is today, we're never going to connect belief with life until we realize there's a mission. Until the gospel becomes important to us, until it becomes more about seeing people come to know Christ than it does about showing up in a building, we're never going to be this thing. See, the problem with the church today is not we don't have more lights, we don't have more songs, we don't have more messages, we don't have a big enough room, we don't have the right color chairs, we, we don't have the right classes and resources and the nursery program or whatever. It's not that we don't have the right parking lot, it's not that we don't have the right location, it's that we have lost the mission. We've, we've made it subpar, secondary, and what we do is we come in this room and we think doing the same thing every week, coming in with the same people every week, people that would identify as the church, people that would identify as saved people, coming in every week, that hearing somebody talk is somehow what Jesus meant when he said, hey, go make disciples. Can I just say this is not what he meant by let's go make disciples. And it may make us feel good about ourselves, and it may make us feel like we're checking some box or doing something because we sang the songs and we, and we listened to the message. But this is not what God has for us in total. Now, this is the pep rally. We're not going to do it really without these things. We, we need songs that remind us of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and what he's done. We need somebody sometimes to remind us these are the truths of the word of God and we got to live these things and do these things. We need all that. But we have made the gospel not even secondary to these things. We've dropped it to the bottom of the list and we're like, if it happens, it's on God. If it doesn't, it's on God. I'm just going to go to church. And that is never, ever, 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 ever what God meant for his people. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't say, go to all the cities and build buildings where all the Christians could huddle up. He said, go and make disciples. As you are going each and every day, make disciples. 
And the reality today is the reason we fuss about the carpet is because we've got off mission. The reason we fuss about the songs is we've got off mission. The reason we don't love each other is because we've got off mission. The reason we don't get along and we argue and complain is we've got off mission. The reason we think so much of ourselves, of we have lost the mission. And the mission today is still important to God. And it should be important to God's people. And let me just throw this out there. It is important to God's people. Because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the mission. If it wasn't for the gospel and God's commitment to saving people, I wouldn't be here today. And I still believe today that God is committed to saving people. We may not see it because we come in a room and huddle up with the same people and we got to wait for somebody to turn 11, 12, 13 years old to hear the gospel. And it makes sense. Maybe it was six for you, but you get what I mean. Like we're just waiting for babies to grow up to see people saved. We're trying to reproduce our way into the Great Commission. And that's never, ever, ever what God had in mind. And then in that, he says, I know every one of us believe it. Right? You believe it. God wants to see people saved. You can just... God still cares about the gospel. You can just... Right? God's still working and he's still powerful. You can just give one of those. God still saves. And he says, but there's a disconnect. I get, we believe it. But if we believe it, why don't we live it? I get, we we know it. How many of us need more messages on Matthew 28? Not one of us. You know why? Because the first 7,000 messages have still got us in this box. What we need today is to determine within our head and our heart that this was the attitude of Jesus. That Jesus didn't just give up some comfort for the Great Commission. He gave up his whole life for the Great Commission. He stepped down out of heaven for the Great Commission. He, he lived 33 and a half years in, in, in a sinless state, surrounded by sinless people, not afraid to get dirty and, and around people that maybe would have made him a little uncomfortable. Because the mission was important. He says, you, you want to be a church that like matters. You want to be a church that has some substance to it. You want, you, you want to be involved in something greater. You want to be around people that love you. Here's, here's the doorway today. You have to decide in your heart, you're going to quit complaining that everybody else isn't doing their job, and you just have to decide, like, Jesus was about it, so I'm going to be about it. Oh, but we don't have enough programs. It's never been about programs. Acts 2 didn't have a program. They didn't have a nursery. They didn't have a worship team. They didn't really even have a preacher. They had a bunch of scared guys huddled up in a room praying the Jews didn't come in and kill them all. They didn't have a plan. They didn't have fancy lots. They didn't have a missions team. They didn't have anything except for Jesus. Maybe what we need to go back to today is just Jesus is enough. Let's go do something. We've got to quit blaming other people for our inaction, and we've got to be part of the thing. Today we've got to quit saying that I come to church so I'm part of the church and just link up with God's people and actually do something that matters. 
coming and sitting in a chair is not being part of a church. Connecting with people in belief and life. That's, that's church. And we can all sit here and we can say, man, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. Well, it's true. On your own, apart from God and God's people, you, you can't do a thing. But man, with God and with God's people, today we could be a force for good and the gospel and the glory of God among the nations. We could do something today that really matters. We could see something today like the, that really impacts people. Here, here's the question that, that bounces around in my head all the time. If nobody in the community is affected by what we do here, then what do we even do here? If nobody in the city is ever touched by what goes on here, then why are we even here? If nobody in the world is ever reached by what happens in this place, then why are we even here? And the reality of it today is if we don't do something to fix those things, then we're like every other church around this area. Eventually, we won't be. God says, I got a mission today and a purpose today and a plan today. And every one of you are invited into it. Not alone. It's scary alone. That's why I put you together in this beautiful thing called the church. And today, there's an opportunity for you to link up life and belief with people and to just see what God would do. Let's pray. Father God, today we thank you. And we need you. God, we know today that we believe a lot more than we do. But we would all shake our head today and say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe Jesus changes people. Yes, I believe that he has a mission and a plan for the church. Yes, I believe that he wants to save people. Yes, I believe that he's going to do amazing things. Yes, I believe he's faithful. Yes, I believe he's good. Yes, I believe all these things. But for so many of us, maybe all of us, if you watched us, you wouldn't see any of that belief played out. 